Hello, everybody. For our first artist talk of forum, <coughs> I'm delighted to introduce Ghanaian artist Serge Atukwe Klotti, joined in conversation by Nana Aforiato-Ayem. Working across installation, performance, photography, and sculpture, Serge utilizes everyday objects in an exploration of personal, family, and collective narratives, often relating to trade and migration. This approach is exemplified in Afro-Gallanism, an artistic concept that comments on consumption within modern Africa through the use of yellow gallon containers. Serge's sculptural installations are bold assemblages that act as a means of inquiry into notions of form and history. As the founder of Ghana's Go Local Performance Collective, he sees art as a way to transform society. His work has been exhibited internationally, recently holding the inaugural exhibition at Gallery 1957, and has also been featured at the 27th Festival Les Instants Video in France, the 11th Dakar Senegal, and the Charles Watt Street Art Festival in Ghana. Nana is a writer, filmmaker, and art historian based in Accra, Ghana. She is founder of the Arts Foundation Anno, has written for publications such as Freeze, Manifesta, Kaleidoscope, and African Metropolitan Architecture, and has shown her films at institutions such as the Tate Modern, the New Museum in New York, LACMA, and the Vita de Vith in Rotterdam. Her first novel will be published in 2017 by Bloomsbury. She was recently a Sakatar Fellow in Brazil, is the recipient of the 2016 Air Award, which seeks to honor and celebrate extraordinary African artists who are committed to producing provocative, innovative, and socially engaging work, and is also recipient of the 2015 Art and Technology Award from the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. She was recently named one of Africa's top 50 trailblazers by the Africa Report and one of 12 African women making history by OK Africa. Hi, everyone. Um, so Serge and I are going to be in conversation about his work. Um, we're longtime collaborators. Um, I think we first met in 2011, five years ago, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Um, and that's the year we first started working together. Right. Um, later on, we'll show a little clip of a little film that we worked on together, which I made of his work. Um, and since then, I've made a couple more films, making a, another film on his work, curated an exhibition at Gallery 1957 in March of this year. Um, and we're constantly in conversation about his practice, so we're just going to be bringing that conversation out and sharing it with you. Um, please feel free to join in if you want to or to ask questions at the end. So, Atukwe, um, um, you started off as a painter. Right. Yeah, um, well, um, I'm traditionally a painter because uh, I studied painting in Ghana and my dad is actually a painter. So I had the opportunity to study art in Brazil. So that was where I began to approach my work differently when I got back from Brazil, which finally became a problem to me because uh, there is no way I could make money from my painting because I was young. And so I was working with my dad whilst I'm um, finding balance between what I want to do. So, well, the work has evolved because um, I was trying to deal with issues that can be relevant to my practice. So I was working with found objects because they are available materials that I can afford and still create my work. So I got interested in this plastic yellow cans that we use to transport cooking oil from oil um, from America and Europe to Africa. So once we use the oil because it's a need, we use the jerry cans to store water. And I realized that because of the water crisis in the country, we have consumed so much that we are even running out of space. So I thought it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting material that I can explore for a period of time because we are consuming and you know we're still having water crisis. So I decided to work with them. And I, initially, I started using them, the whole volume, as a, 
as a mirror, I put them together and paint on them and move them around the city like a puzzle. But I realized that consumption became and storage became a problem. So the next idea was to cut them to reduce the volume to still consume more. So yeah, so I ended up working with this material for like the past 15 years. And yeah, when I started, there was no idea. I just want to create art from available materials. Yeah. So now I'm more interested in like the migration aspect of that object because I'm trying to balance a narrative with my practice and my family originally from, from Jamestown. So we migrated from one town to another in the same city. So I'm interested, how do I explore that migration background with my practice? You know? So my work became more of a spiritual because my family was, was very powerful and you know, they were traveling on the coast by um, um, providing meat and alcohol to the next town. So that is how we migrated from one town to another. So I began to look like the migration aspect of my family as well in relationship with that object, which was used for also transporting cooking oil from Europe, America to Africa. So that is how my practice began. And yeah, so these are works that I, I showed called The Displaced, uh, which is about my family history because there was no sort of documentation written or images of that history. It was told by generations after generations. So I'm interested, how do I, as a performing artist, how do I construct that sort of history? So I have a collective called the Gold Local, which is actually local based people that I work with. So we had to stage that performance to be able to document that history from my generation. So these are pieces that were shown in New York as part of the display. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to the go local and the migration issue in a bit. But yeah. first of all, I want to ask you about the mat materiality okay. of, the, um, of what you work with. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed about your generation of artists in Ghana is what, ma what marks you from the generation previously. Yeah. Um, and to me, like the, the kind of precursor of what you and Ibrahim and others are doing um, is, is Elenatsui, actually. For me, like, there's, a, there's a mark between the older generation, the Ablada Glovers, etc., who used kind of imported materials, oils, yeah. gouache, um, things that came from abroad. And then I feel like El started being like looking around him and saying, what's actually available here? And I feel like in a way, what you and, and your peers have done is taken that and, and kind of deepened it and taken it a step further. So. I, I know you, you touched a little bit on the material yeah. and, and I don't know if, like I know you're very kind of um, visceral, kind of like hands-on person. So yeah. if you could, if you can talk or articulate a bit more about the material and the actual process. I think that, uh, well, I got familiar with Els work in 2010 before I never knew him. You know, I, I knew Picasso because when I was studying art in Ghana, there was always a reference by European painters. So I didn't know his work until 2010 where my work was actually compared to his work. That is where I got to know his work, but before I didn't know his work. So I think Els um, inspired my skill because I, I was working by myself and I had to go through the cutting process. I had to go to the dam site to collect those jerry cans at my back and transport them to my studio. So, I mean, I was going through a lot of challenges because I'm, I'm working on my own and the process is quite labor intense. So after seeing Els' work, it sort of inspired um, my practice in terms of scaling. So I have to, like, it's possible for me to work with community to produce my work because I thought as an artist, you have to work by yourself, you know? So I think Els inspired my, my scaling so far because I didn't know his work. And for me, it's the object something, when I was growing up, it's something that I have to deal with every single day because I have to carry these jerry cans to collect water for the family when I was growing. So this actually, it becomes a problem. I never liked that bottle because I was like, this represents a problem because I have to deal with it every single day. So when I started studying arts, we, we then have a fountain where people come actually to collect water. So I sort of see them every single day. So it sort of represents human in a way because anytime you see like women carrying them with like very funny facial expression because it's, it's heavy and they have to struggle with that. So I come, at some point I realized that it sort of represents human in a way. So how do I sort of work with these materials because it has become part of who we are as an African because we need that to survive. So I saw, I saw those jerrycans as a human being, you know, so that is how I approached that. And I think that um, I wasn't, you know, I still want to be an artist. I don't care like what, how much money I make from my work because 
if I, if an artist you have something you have you need to have something to show, and I can paint very well. Which the galleries were interested in Ghana, they they were interested in my painting. And I some point I felt I felt like there wasn't enough conversation about my work because I go on the street and I just paint market scenes, and I I think it's just just it's just traditional way of you know. And I don't think the world is interested in how our market looks like. You know, there are very relevant issues that I can tackle with my material. So I decided to just go more conceptual in a way to be able to address that. And it was a challenge because the material and the sort of subject that I deal with, the galleries were not interested because you can't deal with political issues in the gallery where people are interested in buying. So um, I decided to stop working with the galleries and I told them, yeah, I can't paint anymore. So this is what I want to do. You can take it or leave it. So that was a challenge because you have, now you have the materials. You spend 24 hours producing a work and you can sell it because they are not interested. So what I did was I was using the social media as a platform to push my work and actually my work gained recognition in abroad, you know, so. And it was kind of very fascinating how people were reading about my work, though I live in Ghana, but they thought I was living abroad, you know. So I think that the social media helps me a lot to be able to push my work globally because I don't want to see limit myself to just Ghanaian artists living in Ghana. It's, I could be somewhere in the world. So I'm just an artist. Mm -hmm. Whatever I produce, is, that's what it is. You know? So yeah, I began to push my work a lot abroad, and I got opportunities to travel, to be in residencies. It's just recently that you know, I met Nana, who sort of, kind of got interested in my work, and we decided. But most of the time, I was, I was traveling, showing, and, I don't think Ghanaians will understand my work, so I decided to you know, go somewhere else and show it. Still live in Ghana and produce because the materials are available in my space. Right. I'm quite um, interested in a way, um, it, again, to go back to you. Like, I feel like there's an affiliation happening at the moment, like there's right. a discussion happening between right. your work, Ibrahim's work, even right. Zora's work, um, some of the different artists. And what's really interesting about your work is that the I'm going back to the material. Right. I'll come to the themes in a second. Cool. But like just the way the material and how you use it mm -hmm. almost becomes like a, a subject in itself. The way right. that it talks about what's happening. Right. Like I feel like even if you don't know what's happening, like for example, this is a public installation that yeah. Atukwe did outside in his area. So he doesn't just show in, in gallery spaces, he also shows um, in public spaces, but we'll talk about that in a minute in, in, when we talk about the performances. Um, but I feel like what your work does is it, it, it kind of makes commentary on bigger issues just by existing right. and just by the fact of the materials that you use. Right. Um, I know that there's so many different themes in your work. I know that there's a theme of migration. I know that there's a theme of environment and sustainability as well. Um, and I know that in a way, like through your performances, and I'd like to come and talk about those in this in now is that you're in a way involved in an act of activism right. um, and the last performance that we're going to talk about is the one that I'm most excited about which is um, yeah anyway let, let's talk about your performance and then I'll talk about the last performance which yeah. so well I think that um, ever since I started working with my community I think that my process sort of has become very environmental because um, these plastic jerry cans, you can find them in, uh, on the streets, on the oceans, in the lagoons and all that. And I, I believe that, um, I think my work is getting more spiritual because I think how these environmental issues has actually brought a lot of distractions in our traditions because um, some of the plastic that I collect them in a lagoon and the lagoon originally in the town was meant for spiritual um, protection and it's for spiritual resources, and it also serves as a food because you can fish inside. And the dumping of plastic and all that has really gone against us traditionally, in our traditional beliefs. And for me, I sort of, you know, want to really find a way to create a discussion between how environmental clashes with our traditions. You know, so I decided to work with this plastic, and this is a way of how we we collect our gallons because since we are a collective, a performing collective, we decided to approach the process of the work in a performance. So we wear women's clothes, you know, also dealing with gender issues because it's barely discussed. 
And so I'm interested in using my position as an artist to sort of talk about, discuss that issue. So this is the process where, when we are going to collect the garlands, I mean, the routine of producing the work becomes a performance because from the studio we wear women's clothes and we go to the dump site to carry them and you know, walk to the studio. And people sort of engage because they're kind of curious what we use the garland and why are we dressed like women. And for me, it's to discuss how closely these objects um, becomes very symbolic in women's life because they use that to survive every single day. You know, so that is creates a lot of um, engagement in which the community now becomes part of my work. You know, so I don't actually separate my work from my community because they are they are even part of like the initial stages. So you know, whatever adds up. Yeah. So I think that material is something that a lot of African artists are beginning to explore because. Um, there's still a bit of struggling to be, to be relevant. So a lot of artists are tackling environmental issues, but there are just few who are very, you know, cautious about making decisions as to materials that you... For me, I, I've been working with this a lot, and I'm not sure when I'm going to stop working with this, and I don't know how it's going to transform into, because initially I was using the jerry cans, the whole volume as a, as a canvas base, and now cutting... I'm in the process of melting them, and you know, so I don't know where it's actually. So yeah. Um, it's really interesting what you said about community and involving the community, because yeah. I feel like, um, like, my major interest is 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 in trajectories right. and in narratives and mm -hmm. how narratives um, of culture evolve. And one thing I noticed when I was looking at the history of art and culture in Ghana mm. was that a lot of our art forms evolved through festivals, through performances, which your, which your performances are a kind of contemporary version of. But like, they're, they're very open, they're very porous, they're yeah. very fluid, like audiences come in and out of performances. And I've noticed that in your performances as well, how they're open and they involve the community. So maybe we'll show um, it's quite a thing to, to see Serge's performances live. So just so that you get a bit of an idea about it, we're going to show you just a few clips of his performances. Unfortunately, we can't, um, we can't get the last performance, My Mother's Wardrobe, because um, my computer broke and we can't get it from online. But we'll show you... Um, and maybe you can talk about them while, while we show the clips. Um, the first performance you did was... Uh, the election one, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe you can talk a little bit about Go Local and the group dynamics. And okay, okay, so Go Local is a, a community-based group that I founded in 2012 because um, I, so I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember where I, how I got into performance because um, I was working as a, as, a, as a model before, which I think is not what I want to do. And that is how the performance came about because... Sorry, I don't know how to. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, I was working with designers and designers are artists like myself. And, you know, I'm, I got fascinated how they manipulate me, the way I should look, the way I should pose and all that. And I realized that I was recognized as a model, but not an artist. So at some point, I realized that, no, I'm not on the track, you know, because I could use myself in my work. So I decided to use myself as a subject in my work, you know, as an object as well. So that is how I got into performance. And I was doing solo performance before. And my community sort of always see my work on, online, in the news, and they were very curious of what I do as a living because they don't see me working or they just see me on TV. And so I decided to engage and I have to do like a talk about my work, take them through studio visit and all that. And that is how they got part because I realized that some of the issues that I was trying to deal with, they sort of have a kind of similar ideas, but they don't have the platform because they are not artists, you know. So we decided to work together in 2012, which was our first performance called Whose Puppets Are You About the Election? Because we're trying to voice out what, how we some of the difficulties that the youth face during election and all that. So our first performance was called Whose Puppets Are You? Which was very intensive and I was scared at some point how if this performance is going to lead me into trouble in Ghana because um, we had to go on the streets in the middle of the night to peel all these political posters and, you know, I represent the youth and they also like imitate a political candidate in the world dress suit and tie 
So four days before election, we're actually going to the press to pick up the posters because, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to go to the press rather than peeling them on the street. So we had to combine both. And in the middle of the night, we went on the street and I dressed with the posters like a costume and each of the guys dressed well and with um, a briefcase with money. So four days before election, there was a huge tension in 2012 that people were scared what is going to happen with that conflict and all that. But we have to risk because that is what we want to do. We went on the streets early morning and I have strings uh, tied to my neck, to my waist, and they were dragging me in the middle of the street. There was heavy traffic and the police were going around scouting what is happening. And, you know, we had to stop the cars because people thought we were actually paid for. And during election time, it's very, very critical. So people stood back and they were, they were surprised. They said, who is this guy? You know, is he campaigning for the sitting president? That was the question. So everybody kept behind and we had, they had to drag me. Like, I represent the youth and they represent the politicians. So they sort of manipulate me, throwing envelopes at me. Anytime I try to grab, they just drag me. So it's a way of dealing how politicians manipulate the youth during elections. So actually that performance was on TV that evening about politics. And you know, I got so much phone calls if I've been arrested or something because uh, people, there was no notice that we were going to do it. It just happened. You know, so what we do, we, we kind of hijack public space without any notice. So that performance was on TV in 2012, the whole week. And actually my dad, who is also an artist, happens to to call me and say, are you safe? And I said, yeah, I'm good. Because I wasn't expecting that performance on TV, you know, because we, we actually needed documentation as a portfolio, but there was a coverage on TV and the whole week during election. And at some point, people sort of got interested in publishing the performance online. It gives me a lot of strong position to be very political about my work. How do I use my collective to sort of address those political issues? So yeah, that was the first performance with my collective and it has been expanded because it started with just five people and now we have people from different ages from 60 to two years kid, you know, so it has been very productive because it's actually brought a lot of attention to our community in which I live called La and, you know, La is one of the like small sort of poor community but because of the position we play with our collective, it has really brought attention into our community and sort of developed the community yeah, very well. So this is one of the performances on, um, on Independence Day because I've been very polite. I don't know why I got into it, is, but I think that the, once the work gets involved and you, you travel to different spaces and experience different things, you became very, I became very cautious about subjects that I deal with. And so this was, um, for the independence because I'm, I'm trying to criticize how the independence celebration is being done because there are issues like there is no water in the country. So what, what is your achievement so far to celebrate independence? So what we did was these jerry cans, which we used to store water, I went to different homes to just collect them and told, okay, I need this bottle to do some performance. And so we actually got, I think, 56 because Ghana was 56 years. And Whilst people were celebrating at the Independence Square, we were there doing this performance in the middle of the night. We stole them in the middle of the night and I painted the portrait of Kwame Nkrumah, who is the founder of Independence. And he actually constructed the Akosombodan, which served water, you know. So I painted the portrait of him on it and each of my guys dressed like an old military, you know, from Gold Coast or something too, just to criticize that situation, yeah. Um. Cool. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I've always liked the way that um, your work kind of, wait, actually that's not the video, I want to show another video. Your work kind of goes between um, activism and performance. The way kind of you bring in this, I want to show another video. Um, what I like about your recent work and your recent performance is a performance, Seth and I are going to collaborate on a performance together at the Kole Lagoon. Right. Um, and what, I'm, what I really love about where your work is going is that, um, like when you look at traditional festivals in Ghana, um, there's always a kind of um, spiritual aspect of it or an activating aspect. So that um, it's almost like when you see these performances, often there's this um, 
activation of the past, so that you're in the performance, um, you're bringing the past al alive and time collapses. And what Serge is doing in his new um, project is instead of bringing the past alive, he's activating the future. And to me, it's like, I kind of get goosebumps when I think about it and I can't wait for it to happen. But it's like, he, he's taking something that's a traditional format and he's creating it completely into something new and kind of turning it on its head. So I don't know, for me, it's kind of where art becomes its most exciting, where you're building on something that already exists, you're taking it and you're opening it up completely and then rearranging it to create something new. So. Um, yeah, we're going to be working on this performance on the Kauli Lagoon. Right. Um, do you want to talk about it? or? Well, yeah, it's, it's something that has to do with, like, still, I'm getting more passionate about our traditions and how do I approach that in our contemporary space. So this installation and the performance is a history about, there's a lagoon which divides two towns, and before that there was a conflict that they were fighting over that lagoon because it's, is very important spiritually and where the city where the town where I live actually got access to that property and now like the chiefs of that community are selling that to foreigners to develop land to build companies and all that so I was thinking that if those two towns were together or were owners of that property they wouldn't be like selling to foreigners and all that so um, I'm kind of interested how do I also sort of deal with those our traditional problems and because since I'm dealing with politics I have to also go to the traditions and deal with the chiefs because the chiefs were selling it and the chiefs in the, that were like very powerful people spiritually and you know they they control the, the town and I believe that how do I kind of bring those towns together to be able to to protect that resource so an installation with the performance is going to be I'm going to install one of my plastic work to bridge those two towns together because I believe that if they, they are able to come together, that resource will be preserved. You know, so it's going to come up with an installation and a performance. So actually, there is a it's a river goddess with children. You know, so it's spiritual. It's our beliefs, and because like dumping of refuse and sand to be able to acquire the space has actually brought so much curse that people are not really aware of, but I believe that it's a case because we don't believe in our tradition anymore and it's actually a problem. So how do I sort of bring attention to that sort of beliefs? Um, so I want to do a performance, hopefully somewhere in the November to be able to, so my guys will be like coming from different part of the town. We are gonna work on that plastic. It's very risky, but I believe that that is the nature of our performance that to be able to put ourselves into what we do we are going to walk across, like traveling from one end to be able to bring those towns. And I believe that the chiefs, I mean, the elders of the community will be aware because I did a performance called The Chinese Get Rich, The Local Get Married, which is about the illegal mining in Ghana. And what happened was we were able to, to mine gold because I live on the coast and it, it's called the Gold Coast. So we are curious if they are still gold on the coast. So together with my collective, you know, I built all those mining equipment and went on the coast to mine gold for four hours with the kids. So the kids were, so people thought we we're actually mining gold and there was a rumors around that I brought some people to come and mine gold. So there is gold on the coast and the chief was really upset and he was, he's still looking for me till now. So um, I believe that the performance has been very, very effective because I involve a lot of people in the community who are traditional intellectuals who sort of engage me in my work and sort of give me ideas what is happening and traditionally and so I'm just looking forward to that particular performance because it has to deal with two towns and the elders of that community. So yeah, because it's a point where the, the lagoon and the sea meet, you know, meet very, very, it's very, very sort of very spiritual because, because of like the, the idea of getting rid of that resources to build, to develop has bring there's something very unfair about the lagoon and the sea meat. It doesn't meet properly, you know. Before it was flowing into each other, the fishes go to the lagoon, you know, back and forth. But now it's sort of like not really happening, you know. So I believe that that is it's a very 
big problem that I need to tackle to be able to create sort of awareness to the elders to be aware. You don't need to sell that resource because it's very spiritual and it's actually protecting the people of that town. So bringing those towns together will sort of preserve that sort of resource. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's really beautiful the way that the, the, the things that you bring together, like the fact that the way that you speak and the way that you say or believe or have faith right. in the fact that your art can actually bring about transformation. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's quite a powerful thing. I think I've just come back from Brazil by year right. and it's a similar thing where there's a kind of, and you can see it from the kind of passing down of African traditions, where dance and music and art <laughs> is seen as something that communicates with things beyond ourselves, that moves beyond boundaries, right. in, w in which we can use dance and song and art to communicate with the gods or with the ancestors, right. and for them to, for, that, for it in a way to be something that we sing out of our hearts, and that we can then, because it's coming from something pure right. or integral, it goes beyond, and therefore something comes back or is answered in that. Um, and I, I kind of love the way you, you carry forth that integrity right. from something, like I said before, that's born of a very long time ago and bring it forth into the modern day. And that you still have that faith right. in an age of irony and in an age of, inno of like complete cynicism. Um, yeah. I like, yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, I think that I became more, I wouldn't say like spirit in a bad way, but I became more spiritual because I, I live in a family compound where the family has sort of spiritual history, which is my family because um, they were using like voodoo for fighting to be able to, to trade with the next town, you know. So I am now living in the family compound where, which was built with sand and stone. And the history was that my family, because they were migrants from the next town, they, they got um, a space because of the trade relationship. And when you look at history, there's always a benefit when you have trade relationship. So the family house was built with stone and sand and they employed laborers that they exchanged food and stones. So my family were providing food and the laborers were doing the work and they were just giving them food. So the house is actually built like a fort because it was built with labors and you know, there's no enough, there are just small windows. So anytime you enter the house, you feel like, whoa, there's something about there. So ever since I moved there, I began to realize there are sort of, I feel sort of movements. That is how my performance came about. I've seen this sort of movement because my ancestors, they were warrior. And that is how they got settled in La, the next town because they were helping them with fight because there was fight about property, spiritual, and so I think that there's something about the house that has actually sort of engaged my practice because uh, I always feel like movement in terms of how, and it's also sort of related to how our tradition uh, right is being performed because there's always sort of costume become part of it, the movement and sort of like materials that are, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting, I don't know, but I think that there's something about my family history which sort of empower my practice, you know. So before I wasn't paying attention because I was not leaving the family house. But now that I work and live in the family house, there's been some sort of connection from the past and I'm trying to sort of revive our traditions and, you know. So, well, my ancestor was, uh, was, a, was a very strong warrior and I think that the costume which he, he uses for those wars and all that is something that is sort of mimic in a way in my costume what I like, what I use for the performance. So anytime there's a performance and you know we have to do a procession, people feel attached. They feel sort of sort of the spiritual engagement. With, I mean, I'm so curious what that was because people anytime I perform, people are scared. I don't look the same as I am in person, you know, because when I'm performing, I sort of engage the um, the spirit somehow the energy of the, the collective because there are people that, there are new ones coming in that I have to be able to engage them, you know, in terms of energy. So I always have to be in control. So anytime there's performance, either I have to lead because if I'm not around, they don't feel, they feel very uncomfortable. So I think that working with the community sort of builds a lot of energy and a very powerful um, presentation in our performance. And I think that 
I'm just curious what is going to happen in a couple of years because um, they are also, they are not artists actually, they are not visual artists, they are people from different career backgrounds, but engaging them on a level where that they are able to share their ideas and also get around with the way I think as an artist has, has become very powerful that sometimes they always, after the performance, they, they are not sure if they were the same person. You know, we have to look at the images or video to be able to even convince ourselves that this is what we did. You know, so it's, I don't know, I don't know, but I think that it's, I'm very curious on how the work is actually going to transform in the next couple of years because I'm trying to involve a lot of people in my practice and yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, do we have an hour for this? So, so let me quickly talk about this. So this is... Um, Wait, may, maybe Sash. Um, it's, um, we've only got like 20 minutes, so maybe people want to ask okay, me okay, some okay, questions. Yeah, 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 right. So, yeah. Um, does anyone want to ask any questions? Yeah. Sorry. project my voice okay it's working now cool um i was really excited when you spoke about traditional art in ghana um especially when you spoke about the market scenes people paint the market scenes because as a as a child living in ghana when i was in art school i'd be told to like paint the market scene at the end of the class you look at everyone's picture and it's exactly the same yeah. exactly the same so you, you, you question the usefulness of art and what's the, like nobody really wants to see market scene, but everyone's interested in what happens in the market, like the concepts behind it. Right. So following that, the way your language and your work is extremely truthful in terms of the objects you use, in terms of um, the barrels to start a discourse that literally tackles social, economical, political issues i.e. remove um, the posters that you get, like remove a by AMA, um, AMA yeah. that sort of thing, those yeah. notes. Um, I saw in one of your pieces that you had a registration vehicle for a driving license. The whole corruption <coughs> system in terms of that, like the car's been totally different to the identification on the, on the sheet. Um, I just wanted to ask, how do you know when to hold back and sculpt your language um, to such provocative subjects and spiritual subjects and what other subject matters are you interested in? Well, um, I think, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, <I'm> done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm testing. Well, I think that uh, I always, for me, I create to challenge my imaginations, which is for me is very important. And I don't really care about the audience. It's just to challenge my imagination that whatever I think exists. So I believe, of course, Nana, I believe in projects. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think that I'm getting some influences that are from traveling. And I think that um, hopefully next year there might be something that will be new in my work. But all the same, uh, I believe in having a strong position as an artist, especially from, from the continent. And I want to, I think I, uh, I need some power and <laughs> to be able, yeah, yeah, of course. I need some power to be able to control anything in the world. That is what I believe, but it has to start locally, you know, so. Um, when you say control anything in the world, what do you mean by that? Yeah, control <laughs> is to have a, a, a strong position, you know, <laughs> because I've had some influences by people that I work with, and I think that having control is, is actually good, you know, but... You mean control over the, the, the material or control over wider forces? Of course, wider forces, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I control my materials, but I want to go beyond that to be able to not just physically strong, but also very strong as a human being, 
It's funny, when you talk, you might, do you know Tracy Rose, yep. the artist? You remind me a bit of Tracy. Like, I always have thought of, I just wrote a piece on her for Documenta, and I, and I, she, I wrote that she reminded me of a shaman. Like, whenever she's, um, do you guys know Tracy Rose, a South African artist? Whenever she's performing, like, it's almost like she's channeling something beyond herself. She becomes this kind of fury and, it's just like she grows and expands. And I get the same feeling when you're performing. Right. Like I remember actually the first performance where I really saw it was in the, the Gods Must Be Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw Serge and I've known Serge for a while. I know him pretty well. And he, it was just like, I couldn't believe it. He was like, he, he was again, like Tracy channeling something else. Right. Um, so when you say control the forces. Well, yeah, the, 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 the performance this year for the Chalewati was, was one of the newspapers that I brought some spirit to Chalowote, and I think that it's funny because there's, what is the spirit? You know, it's just an idea that I project. And if people think it's a spirit, then it exists. Mm -hmm. You know, because, yeah, it was all over the, that I, I brought some spirit to Chalowote, and people were like, they're not sure what it is. You know, but it's, it's our tradition. I'm trying to like present the tradition from this contemporary space, and people think there's something about it that I, I'm very excited because if, people think there's a spirit, which is not that big, based on the costume that I used, like the sort of, you know, because in our tradition, we use white powder. Wait, it's very that. traditional to be able to like, to have um, connect with the gods. You need to have like a white powder on your face that we use in our performance. And, you know, there are very symbolic materials that we use in our performance that people feel connected to on a very traditional, level of belief. So I think that people are, are getting to understand the whole agenda of the collective. This is the one where you use the white the and powder? This is actually represent like a typical traditional way of the, our tradition. So I think that, uh, I don't know why people think, they are, they are scared of it, but we, we, that is who we are, you know, and you can't hide it. Wait, let's see if there's some... Sometimes when I watch this, I feel scared myself because <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. There's so I don't like watching those It's videos. quite, it's, it's amazing, this performance. It's only a short, but it's always amazing. Does anyone else have any questions? Yeah, it's uh, Joe Pollitt. How are you doing? Uh, nice I'm good. to see you. Yeah. Um, I think I'm really excited about your work because as we're here in the art fair, Everyone's celebrating the individual artist, which is, is good, but it's not uh, really what West Africa is about, about the community. So you might be falling into a trap of presenting yourself as the artist, where it should be a collective artist, and so move from you know, each area of uh, Ghana and bring in all the different tribes and uh, then work with your team with their team and then go on and go on and go on. And so it becomes very much part of Ghana, Ghana art, or modern Ghana. What do you think? George, <laughs> 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 can I answer? Yeah, some of the questions, I don't think I have answers to it because, uh, well, um, I'm interested in expanding my practice and sort of extending as well, so, uh, we are, though we live in Ghana, but we are also artists in the world. You know, it's, we are not limited to coming from Africa or just Ghanaian artists. I'm an artist in the world, so based on my ideas, doesn't limit me to just African artists. So I'm an artist, and but coming from Ghana, but I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah, right. I also think it's a little bit dangerous to proclaim what. Um, art from West Africa, which, um, who, you know, however many countries there are in West Africa alone, however many communities there are within what is now called Ghana alone, um, as much multiplicity and variety there is. So to say that um, there is only collective expression um, in a West African context, I think is a little bit fallacious. I think it's a little bit... Um, simplistic because there is collectivity but there is also individuality um you know one of the things um that i did um i did a project with the architect david ajay where we traced back 
um, production centers in different parts of Africa. And there has always been individuality alongside collectivity. I do understand what you're saying. Um, I, I, I myself don't adhere to the kind of cult of the, the star. I think it's, you know, democratization is a nice thing. But um, I don't think what Serge is doing is so out of place in the West African context. I think there's many different realities um, side by side. And I actually think what he's doing is incredibly um, integral. I don't like the word authentic at all, but I think he has, there's a lot of integrity to his context. Any more questions? Just based on the power, I am very inspired by the social transformation, the power of your work. And as a um, daughter of Jamaica, growing up here, I'm inspired by what I'm seeing in terms of the, the link between your work and activism. And I'm very inspired about how that might translate to empower communities here um, in articulating their voice to authority. So I'm asking, are you interested in exploring collaborations with artists who approach their work in a similar way in the diaspora, the African diaspora? Um, sure, yeah, I've, I've collaborated with a few people traveling in, around Europe, so I think that I'm open for collaborations and yeah, so it's possible to work together because it also helps me to view other side of the space, yeah, so I'm open to collaboration. Nice. Right. <laughs> um, you are wanting to ask questions? Uh, yes, I have a question. I can speak without the mic if that's okay. Nice. I had a question about one of the uses of materials that you didn't spend much time speaking about today. Right. And that is your use of cloth that I think has been really interesting as well. That I remember, I think it was in 2012 for the time travel trade show that you had used cloth in some of the wood sculptures that you had made. Right. And I was curious to hear you reflect now on how your interest in working with cloth has evolved over the last few years. And I'm most interested to hear you speak about my mother's wardrobe that we didn't have time to talk about today. Yeah, um, I have. And I what had kind a of motivated okay, that so project? Yeah, um, 2012. There was a, a project um, between Ghanaian artists and Dutch artists that we have to. It's about the trade relationship between Ghana and the Netherlands. So 2012, what I did was my work is called "Seen in a Different Light." which actually discuss the subject on how um, they're still practicing um, the history, like 300 years old history, are still, it still exists as our tradition. Because um, what I did was, um, while I was in um, Netherlands, I decided to bring some materials from there to Ghana and like electronic gadget and all that. And what I did was because the Dutch produced the wax print and you know, like fabric in our Ghanaian culture is like kind of valued as a gold because I mean, it's very high valued. And um, what I did, I went to like older generations like to collect those wax prints because they still have them. And when you look at their wardrobe, they have all these collection of fabric from the Netherlands and all that, you know, so I'm interested like collecting them and presenting them in a way that because in our Ghanaian culture, if you are presenting the bride, you need the same. Some, some of the family are very specific. They need vlis code, they need Dutch prints. They don't want Ghanaian prints. They don't want it. You know, so seeing it a different, like we're still practicing that sort of colonial idea of trade, you know, so it's the same of exchange because you are presenting the bride, it's the same as exchanging. So you bring fabric and schnapps before you get a bride. You know, so I'm So what I did was I collected like old schnapps on the coast. It's, it's unbelievable that I found those because there are a lot of spiritual activities that always takes place on the coast. Like people are washing, cleansing themselves and they use uh, the liquor, which is the snap, which was used for exchanging humans in history. 
So I, I sort of like picked them up and wrapped the fabric around them to present them as my piece. So it's a way of how we still practice those colonial structures in our tradition that is how you present the bride. It's, still, it's kind of reference to how human being is exchanged with goods. So that was, yeah, so I was working with fabric and so when you say Ghanaian fabric or African prints, I don't really understand because the designs were okay, they were from Ghana, they were from Africa, but the fabric is printed somewhere, you know, so what is tradition if your, print, uh, your fabric is printed or designed somewhere and, you know, end up in the market? And I think that the Dutch are very strategic. I want to sort of engage them to collaborate because they are very strategic. They, they come of like, use the very symbolic, you know, materials in our everyday life as a motive to print the fabric. So anytime the fabric is in the market, you know, you kind of relate to that. Okay, this represents this particular moment. And, you know, so it's a way of trading. And I think that is very strategic in which I want to sort of find a way to trade my work somehow because those plastic were imported from different parts of the continent. So how do I migrate that object mm. with different form, different value to where it comes from? Mm. You know, so that is how I have some of my pieces here because they are like, it's the same, those gallons come from here as well. So how do I trade back those objects with different form, different value? Mm. Yeah, so it's about migration and the cycle of objects from one continent to another, mm. right? It's interesting, you, you remember Torel, the Norwegian artist? Right. Um, she had like designed some some designs and then had them printed by GTP in Ghana. Right. I wonder if there's somehow you could go back and have something printed by Vlisco to kind of go full cycle with that. And with I think that once well. it's printed there, it's, it's their fabric. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, but it's also it's a way of like them, what they've brought in, you mm -hmm. then bring out and it kind of completes the yeah, cycle. So I, I believe that we should make our design and print it in Ghana and ah, we can trade. Okay, that's yeah, even yeah. more interesting. Yeah. Thank you for the photos, by the way. They were taken by Yeah, her. by Regula. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is, um, this is an insta uh, performance called um, My Mother's Wardrobe, mm -hmm. um, which I, I curated and Serge and his Go Local performance um, did at Gallery 1957. Um, and... Um, Gallery 1957 is a gallery which is here, opened in March, and this was the opening um, performance on March 6th, which was Independence Day. And I remember, um, <laughs> um, Serge, I think I came back to Ghana in January, and Marwan, who's the founder of the gallery, was like, I was going to stay in Europe for a bit longer. He's like, no, you've got to come back, we've got no show. So I remember sitting in the empty gallery with Serge one night, and we're sitting on the floor, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? We've got one month to the exhibition. Um, and I think you were already working on this series, right? right? So we, we, um, we kind of started talking about the different things that, um, that, you know, like the different things that Serge was working on, the different ideas that we, we both had in, in interest. And um, Serge's uh, mother passed away about a year before this, two, two years yeah. before this exhibition. Um, and... I know that she's been a hugely powerful um, presence and influence on, on his work, and even now, still. Yeah. Um, and I had this thing where my mother had passed away as well, a few years prior, and I'd just gotten her wardrobe. Um, had, in Ghana, what happens is your mother's wardrobe is literally locked away right. when she dies. And I had just gone back to pick up her wardrobe from, our, from my hometown in the mountains. Um, and so when Sad is like, oh, I'm... I'm working on this series called My Mother's Wardrobe. Like it was crazy because I'd literally just gone to pick my mother's wardrobe up. I knew how important his mother's spirit was in his work. And so it became like a starting point and a way of um, going deeper into the subject of mothers, of the feminine spirit and power, of how memory is passed down through cloth and how you retain something or you don't because like you were a man, so obviously you didn't get to keep much of your mother's wardrobe. Nothing. Yeah, um, and so these were some of the starting points of, um, of this exhibition, of this installation. Um, and yeah, these are his Go Local group, all dressed in their mother's Yeah, wardrobe. so this performance was one of the most challenging performances that I, because uh, convincing the guys to wear, to wear women's clothes was a problem, you know, yeah. because, yeah. So, but I, I mean, uh, we had a, 
several discussions about it, and I told them, okay, this is what I think, because I feel like tradition is somehow collide with human rights. And, you know, I lost my mom two years ago, and I was in the U.S., and when I came back, usually when your mother dies, they lock up your wardrobe for like a year before they open the wardrobe. So when I came back, the wardrobe was already open and there was nothing, you know, and I felt like there was sort of disconnection with my mom because my mom was collecting the, the gallons to help to support because we have to survive with what I do. So when I came back, I felt there was something missing because she's not around and there's no sort of materials for me to connect with. So I, I came up with this idea. It's very emotional because uh, when I started discussing with my guys, they were like, no. Wearing women's clothes in my community never is never going to happen. <laughs> and yeah, so I sort of engaged them very deeply and I told them, I mean, come on, is your mom alive? Some of the guys are like, no, I lost my mom. So I, yeah, we have the same issue, you know. So how do we point out those, discuss that sort of subjects through the performance? So it took like, I think a month and a half convincing them to wear their mom's clothes. But finally, you know, they, they, they got, okay, let's try this because, you know, gender issue is something that we, the country, is still sort of not sure about it. And I think that, yeah, because of my position as an artist, I think that I can easily discuss that through my practice. So, yeah, they went to their aunties and, you know, cousins, yeah, female cousins to get their mom's belongings. And, yeah, the performance actually started from their homes because I told them, you can dress from the house. Yeah, this is so a starting can, point. People can see that, yeah, you are in your mom's clothes. You know, so it started in the community and all the way to the gallery. So we sort of like travel with people in the community to that space because the gallery has a hotel which is like one of the high standard hotels in Ghana. And people were like, wow, I can't afford that space. So we are able to use the performance to transport people in that community of La to that very fancy place and they, they feel very comfortable and you know so it's a way of like sort of bridging different classes together and sort of feel yeah so because the gallons were found and there is no way you can just pick up a clothes dirty and go to that hotel no but the gallons were found you know so trying to just change those perception about space you know to be very um, balanced so that you know so that was the performance and yeah we arrived in this truck because the truck is actually the olden wooden truck which was used by the women to transport their food yeah from the villages to the city to sell so it's very old truck that we use and so this performance well i was surprised with the guys because they felt comf comfortable at some point because they were wearing the women they don't want to take them out so after the performance there was a party and oh, they don't want to take them that. out Wait. yeah they, they still they, they felt very comfortable and it's they were so using funny. the ladies um and right. yeah they felt like very comfortable, so I think that it's a very it's powerful safe. performance. And so the idea was for me to kind of relate to my mom's belongings is if they wear their mom's clothes because fabric has changed over over the time. Design, you know, traditional designs into more contemporary modern design. So I feel connected with what they are wearing because I kind of remember my mom has some similar clothes because my mom might be the age, same age as like one of them. You know, I took so. my look. This is my favorite. This is actually my favorite part of the evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Um, by the way, can I just say, this is not a finished film yet. And I have, I've got, um, there's a brilliant guitarist in Ghana called Chechiku. <laughs> and I kind of like, I was looking for music for the film. Even Atukwe hasn't seen this film yet. And I was looking for it and I found this brilliant song by Chichiku. He doesn't know I've used it yet. So his wife is, his new wife is here. So please let him know that I've used it. Um, I will. And anyway, this was my favorite part of the, um, this is my favorite part of the evening where the men were going, you guys were all going into the women's toilet. But so I, I didn't. <laughs> they were no. all, I was like, sad, they were all standing outside the women's toilets and they were all going into the women's toilets. And then they kind of kept completely in character. They were yeah. all kind of really feminine, the way they were dancing. Yeah, I couldn't I think. go because I, I'm not sure which, where to go. You know, I can't go to the men, I can't go to the ladies. So, so you just I waited till I went here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so 
the part is where I realized that it's something that as a, a collective we can deal with that subject because I was surprised they were dancing very comfortable with those clothes. I don't know what's happening with But I wasn't dancing, I wasn't dancing. I was just observing their energies and how... I saw you dancing. That was before. <laughs> no. Can I just ask you all the were they all male? Like uh, 90%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was... Does anyone else have any questions? I don't think so. Oh. Yeah. Um... I really wanted to thank you for the amazing presentation and conversation today, but my question relates a lot to gender yeah. Yeah. and the way in which there seems to be a space in your performances for men to, I guess, kind of use masquerade as a way of playing with their own gender and the expectations of gender, and that seems to happen really seamlessly in all of your performances, except for when you bring water into it. And I'm quite curious about how I can't remember which one it was. It was the one when um, the men were going off to to into the, the water. Yes, yeah. and I wondered about that very traditional view of the women waiting on the shoreline, yeah. and also how women generally are perceived as not to be as bad luck when you're when you're on on, on boats and on ships. Yeah. And I I wondered about if there was any kind of mythology around that in in Ghana. Um, because I'm from the Caribbean, and there we think of the sea in a very particular way in Barbados. Like, we consider the sea is behind God's back. So you really have to be very careful about what happens there. And there seemed like the sea was a very specific and very special place in your work, especially, like, how you speak about water. Um, I know it's kind of just more of a comment, but I'm quite curious to see how gender relates to water in your work. Well, I think there are a few rivers and lakes in, in, um, in Ghana, which there's a taboo that women are not supposed to go there at a certain time or certain day. And I when you have your period. <laughs> okay, anyways, I mean, <laughs> right. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are like few, especially the sea, the... On Tuesdays, there is, you don't have to fish on Tuesday. You don't have to go on fishing on Tuesday, which it's very, it's well known in, in Ghana. And also, um, there are, well, because my family, they, they have sort of a taboo because in the family house where I, I, I live now, there is the female house and there's the male house. So in the olden days, the women cannot come in when yeah, on your period. It's not, you can't go inside, you know, so either you speak to someone at the end of the, like, in front of the door, you can't go inside. And if you are a man, you can just go to the women's place and just eat there, you can, but the woman is not supposed to sleep in the, the male compound, you know, so I think that it also has to do with, like, the spirituality that sort of women becomes a bad luck when they are on their period. Because it doesn't, because they, they believe in, uh, in spirituality, which is the, the voodoo, it doesn't allow women on their period, it doesn't engage them. Because, sort of, because the blood sort of, because they use um, like animals for the sacrifice, they, they don't want to sort of, it's really not a good sign to like, a woman's to have his period within that time, you know, because it's sort of like always change the the situation. It becomes bad. It becomes I think there's something negative about it's it. It's not you know? necessarily like I've done a bit of research into this because I've also been interested about the whole woman thing. I don't think it's necessarily that women are seen as negative or mm. as a bad force. It's that it's more about the woman's power and the power that she transmits through her blood in a way kind of nullifies or there's a kind of reaction that, that happens between the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and the power of the woman's blood. So there's, it's kind of more to do with that than that the woman is seen as being bad or evil. It's more to do with that, with the kind of power that the two 
substances kind of have and how they meet or yeah clash. Right. Well, now I think they do because we don't really practice those traditions anymore. But especially in my family house, you, you can't do that. You know, you can't. The women in the, the women live opposite the men, you know, so there's just like 10 feet distance and they know about it. If once you are from the family, you already know about that taboo and you don't have to go against it. But now people like sneak in with, you know, but all the same, <laughs> it's actually turned out to be a problem because there are certain problems happening within the family, which is from that. And, you know, so now they're, they're sort of like trying to bring back tradition because it's actually going against us. You know, once you can't deal, you have to move out of the family out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, maybe one last question if there's one, otherwise. Thank you, Serge Atacrake Notting.